Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8, and then chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. This is God's Word. Carefully follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and take possession of the land the Lord swore to your fathers. Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out, and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Keep in mind that the Lord your God has been disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. So keep the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams, springs, and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat, barley, vines, figs, and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without shortage, where you will lack nothing, a land whose rocks are iron and from whose hills you will mine copper. When you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands, ordinances, and statutes that I am giving you today. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in, and your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold multiply, and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, a thirsty land where there was no water. He brought water out of the flint rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers had not known, in order to humble and test you, so that in the end he might cause you to prosper. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your fathers as it is today. 
If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve them and bow in worship to them, I testify against you today that you will perish. Like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you, you will perish if you do not obey the Lord your God. Listen, Israel. Today you are about to cross the Jordan to enter and drive out nations greater and stronger than you with large cities fortified to the heavens. The people are strong and tall, the descendants of the Anakim. You know about them, and you've heard it said about them, who can stand up to the sons of Anak? But understand that today the Lord your God will cross over ahead of you as a consuming fire. He will devastate and subdue them before you, You will drive them out and destroy them swiftly, as the Lord has told you. When the Lord your God drives them out before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me in to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. Instead, the Lord will drive out these nations before you because of their wickedness. You are not going to take possession of their land because of your righteousness or your integrity. Instead, the Lord your God will drive out these nations before you because of their wickedness in order to fulfill the promise he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. For you are a stiff-necked people. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. A number of years ago, I was talking with a dear friend, Vasily Lantuk. Vasily is um, uh, Ukrainian, uh, from northern Ukraine, and um, he is a dear friend and brother in Christ. He pastors a church that he founded in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, back in 1993, I had the privilege of going with him uh, to Ukraine. It was my first trip to Ukraine. And uh, he was my interpreter um, as I preached. And it was a marvelous thing to see what God did there. But I talked with him about some of the folks we met, some of his relatives, in fact, who were staying in Ukraine and about other folks who were eager to come to the States and... um, I, of course, had met some of the believers that were in his congregation in Atlanta who had come from uh, the Ukrainian area and also from other surrounding areas. They refer to it as a Slavic congregation because it's not just Ukrainian. Um, As we talked, I was saying how hard it is for those folks to be in a place where there has been such persecution, where after the collapse of the Soviet Union, there was still so much poverty and hardship, and um, where there just was a a dearth of spiritual resources. Um, We take so much for granted here in this country. And I was saying how I wish more of those dear people could come and enjoy what we enjoy. He said, actually, I don't. 
I said, why is that? He said, I have encouraged many people to stay there, not just so that they can be uh, a good witness, but some of them because I don't believe they could handle living in the United States. He said, Jim, it is much harder to be faithful to the Lord in a place like the United States than it is in a place like Ukraine or the former Soviet Union. He said, my father was imprisoned for his faith, and I spent some time in prison for my faith. But he said, that is an environment in which it is easier to be faithful to God than when you come to a place like this with unbridled freedom and amazing prosperity because there is a temptation in this country not to rely on God any longer. I thought, wow. I would have said, of course it's harder to live for Jesus in a place where you're going to be thrown in prison for it. He said, no. He said, in a place like that, the line is clear. You either lay it all down for Jesus or you don't. He said, you come to the States and it's very easy to compromise. It's very easy to begin to rely on the economy, on your savings, on your skills, instead of relying on the Lord. Well, you learn something new every day. I had a friend who came here probably now 20 years ago from Australia. He came to be one of our mentors here at the ranch. And after he got here, I took him shopping because I wanted to get, whenever folks come to stay with us, I I want to try and let them get what they want and not just force them to eat what I like. Does that make sense? Because you're supposed to do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Remember that. So I, I took him shopping, and he was just blown away. Now, this is coming from Australia 20 years ago. He said, this must be a difficult place to live for Christ. I said, what are you talking about? I, I mean, we're at Walmart, you know? I didn't take him to Times Square. I took him to Walmart. He said, you are confronted with countless decisions every day about things that don't matter. He said, in Australia, I go to the store, and all I have to know is do I want white bread or wheat bread? He said, here, you've got all these different kinds of bread, and they're made by different companies at different prices. And you've got to stand there and figure out, okay, which of these things is going to be what I want? And he said, you constantly, he said, I, I guess you just don't even notice. I said, no, I really don't. He said, you constantly are having to make decisions about things that don't matter. Now, weigh that for a moment. Isn't that a true description of our lives? With all these choices, everyone is happy. Mental health has never been so good in the United States. Suicide is a thing of the past. No one complains of loneliness any longer. No, just the opposite. We're living in a world where we are just overflowing with options. 
when people feel alone, people feel overwhelmed, people feel depressed, and a lot of people feel angry. Let me tell you something. No matter how prosperous we become materially, it will never, ever take the place of a relationship with the Lord. He's the only one who satisfies. And if we're not careful, we can be, as one author called it, amusing ourselves to death. Constantly throwing distractions up in front of us to try and block out the noise inside. In these verses this morning from chapter 8 and the first part of chapter 9, God's people were warned about the challenge of blessings. They were told in the previous chapter, remember, God didn't choose you because you were more numerous than the other nations. God chose you because you were the least. And we looked at 1 Corinthians and how Paul says, think of your calling. Not many of you were wise, not many of you were noble, not many of you were what the world counts significant. God deliberately chooses the nobodies in order to shame those who think they're somebody. Well, in chapter 8, in the midst of blessing that they are about to receive, he says, do not forget the Lord. The danger is that we will be distracted The danger is that we will forget him. Chapter 8, verse 2. Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness. Verse 5. Keep in mind that the Lord your God has been disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Verse 11. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands. Verse 14, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord your God. Verse 18, remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. Verse 19, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve them and bow and worship to them, I testify against you that you will perish. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. The second warning in the midst of blessing is do not credit your power and ability. Look at chapter 8, verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. In order to confirm his covenant, he swore to your fathers as it is today. The Lord impressed this lesson on me when I was in college. I was working as a janitor at the college library. I was, let the record show, the best janitor that you've ever seen. When... The doors were locked for the night. I was down on hands and knees 
getting all the heel marks off the white tile floor. And I would then, after I got the heel marks off by hand, I would wax and polish the floor and rejoice the next day when over and over and over again, people would come to the library and they would say, just look at this floor. Yes. I worked hard to make that place clean and shiny. And someone asked me to please sing for a wedding, strangers, people I didn't know, and they told me, they'll pay you. And I thought, oh, I don't know. I had done a, a fair amount of solo work at that point, but I'd never been paid anything. And I thought, I, I don't know that I can take money for singing. I mean, after all, my, yes, I was vain even then. Yes, my voice is a gift. But since God gave me this voice, it's not right for me to be paid for it, is it? And you know what God said to me? I thought God would be impressed that I didn't want to be paid for singing since my voice was a gift from God. And God said, your ability to clean floors is a gift from me. You couldn't get down on your hands and knees if you didn't have hands and knees. You couldn't see where the heel marks were if you didn't have eyes that work. You couldn't be a janitor if it weren't for me. It wasn't that God wanted me to think that somehow my voice was my own thing. God wanted me to know that everything belongs to him and comes from him. And we can do nothing apart from him. Nothing. We are entirely dependent on him. When God had his people in the middle of a wilderness where there was no food except what God supernaturally provided, they knew every day we've got to depend on God. But now they're about to come into a place where there's going to be wheat, barley, vines, figs, pomegranates, olive oil, honey, a land where you'll eat food without shortage, where you will lack nothing. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want to be in a place where God blesses us so much that we lack nothing? We've got it all. We've got choices. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies. I mean, that's what we want America to be. Let's make America great again. But no matter how much we prosper materially, we will never be great if we forget God or if we credit our powers and abilities. God says, if you have that attitude, you'll perish. Do not credit your power and ability. But there was another danger. And that danger was God was about to wipe out a bunch of really wicked people using the Israelites as his army. They would go into situations where they were totally outnumbered by people who were bigger and better armed than they were, and God would give his people victory over those folks, and they were to destroy them completely. So the danger was that they would start looking at the wickedness of all those people who were being destroyed by God, and they would say, well, you know, God's doing this for us because we're the good guys. That's why we wear the white hats. We're the God squad. We are the righteous ones. We have integrity. And God says through Moses, don't kid yourselves. 
God is not destroying these people because you're good. He's destroying them because of their wickedness. And if you start thinking you're good, you're going to end up being destroyed also. Now that's sobering, but it's true. God warns his people, do not put your confidence in your own righteousness and integrity. That's chapter 9, verses 4 through 6. But God doesn't just warn us in these passages. He doesn't just warn us. He also promises victory. And that's really good news. Because these people who needed to be warned also needed to be given promises. And God promises in chapter 8, verse 18, remember the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your fathers. And then look at chapter 9, verse 5. You're not going to take possession of their land because of your righteousness or your integrity. Instead, the Lord your God will drive out these nations before you because of their wickedness in order to fulfill the promise he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These people are going to inherit great blessing, great prosperity, great victory because God made a promise and he keeps his promises. And the promise was not based on these people. It was based on what God had decided about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What does that have to do with us? Everything. The reason that I'm going to go to heaven is not because I've done the right thing. I prayed the right prayer. I raised my hand. I went to the right church. I walked forward. I got dunked. It's not because of what I've done. The reason I'm going to heaven is because of what Jesus did. It's because God has declared it so. And I am saved on the basis of his grace, not on the basis of my accomplishment. I can't count the number of people I've met with over the years who weren't sure that they were really saved because they weren't sure that they really understood enough or that they had prayed the right prayer or that they really meant it sincerely enough. or whatever. Folks, you're not saved by that. You're saved by Jesus. If you pray exactly the prayer on the back of the card or in the back of the Bible or on the back of the tract, it won't save you. If you think this is a magic thing and if I say the magic formula, I'm going to go to heaven, that's not it. The prayer is a prayer. You're supposed to be talking to God, not reciting an incantation. You're asking him to save you. And if you know that you need saving and you turn to him to save you, he will save you. He promised. You don't have to be a great intellect. You can be a little child. But if you know I need a Savior, and you look to Jesus for salvation, how much theology do you think the thief on the cross understood? Had he ever studied Grudem's systematic theology? It's the best systematic theology book I know. But the thief on the cross, 
Didn't have the opportunity to read it because it hadn't been written yet. But he knew this, he knew that Jesus is Lord. And he knew that even though Jesus was dying on the cross, Jesus is still Lord. And so he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He had faith in Jesus. And Jesus didn't say, well, I'm sorry, I don't have time to explain it all to you. Jesus simply said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. If your faith is in Jesus, you're saved. If your faith is in raising your hand, signing a note, praying a prayer, doing something else, if you think you're going to be saved by what you've done, you need to get saved. But if you know your only hope is Jesus, you're saved. I hope you understand that. God, give us all grace to understand that and believe it and trust in Jesus. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.